Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Practice Purchased. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Dan Cho, who took almost two full years to go from the point of deciding to buy a practice to ultimately owning. And that's not because Dan was a failure somehow, not even close. You'll hear how hard he worked, overcoming some difficult obstacles along the way, including a long-distance search. As you listen, pay special attention to how Dan managed relationships with the brokers in a specific area to ultimately beat out eight other offers and be the buyer chosen for the practice he wanted. Let's get to the interview. All right, Dr. Dan Cho, thank you for joining us on Practice Purchase. Tell us a little bit about your demo career to date and you know where you're at now, including how long you worked as an associate and how long you looked for a practice. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Um, So I graduated from uh, OHSU back in 2013, um, and I was an associate for various DSOs. I I worked in um, for a couple of DSOs and also for a small um, uh, Medicare private office for about five or so years, um, about five, six years. Um, And then after that, I had... uh, bought my practice last April, um, April of 2019. Uh, and I actually, it took me about, this is a little bit difficult just because uh, at the time I was living out on the East Coast, but um, I was looking for a practice on the West Coast um, back where I grew up and uh, I had looked for about two years. So it was, it was a very lengthy time process for me. I remember that. And I remember the distance being uh, difficult. And, and so, you know, before we talk about that process, what were you looking for? Obviously, geography was big for you, but were there other criteria you had in mind? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the biggest things that, um, like, ultimately, I, I think that we need to take a look and see why are you doing what you're doing, you know? Are you in dentistry to buy a practice to make the most money? Or are you trying to, you know, uh, are you living to work or are you working to live, you know? And I got a piece of advice from it that said, um, you know, buy a practice where you really want to live. And you know, you may not be as lucrative or whatever if you, you know, um, depending on the location, but you're going to be overall happier. And so for me, geography, my, my parents live live in Portland. My, my in-laws live in Portland. We have a lot of family here, so ultimately we're going to come over here. But outside of that, I mean, it, it also depends on the person, you know, there are, there are different sorts of practices ranging anywhere from a, uh, from a fixer-upper to a turnkey uh, to a turnkey practice. Uh, I personally was looking for something kind of in the middle, something that was, um, that was, you know, in the range of, you know, their collections of about 750, uh, you know, per year, that sort of thing is smaller. Um, and the fee for service, uh, um, is, was something that really, really interested me as well as it does with a lot of uh, people, but that's, those offices are difficult to be able to find, uh, and especially for a fee-for-service fee for turnkey, um, those doors are, are extremely difficult to be able to find. Yeah, especially in your geography, it is um, a high-demand area, uh, but you did find one, and ultimately it was through a broker. Uh, so high level, talk to us about your approach f- uh, to looking for practices during the search time. So it was a couple of years you were looking. Um, how'd that go and what types of things did you do? Yeah. So, um, and, and, uh, for, for all the, the, the listeners, um, uh, you know, I, I did work with, with Brian. He was, he was actually really, really fantastic during this entire process. Um, and so it, it ultimately it, it came down to, you, you can't just do one way. Obviously there, you, you go through, you know, multiple brokers. Um, what I was found is you, you find in the area, 
you ask around and you find who are the biggest brokers in that area and you send, you, you basically message them and you find a way to get the foot in the door. You get on their, their, their basic mailing list, you talk to them. I had reached out and you follow up with them very, very frequently. You, you want to be the person that's on the forefront of their mind uh, whenever they, they are thinking, oh, hey, there's a practice that, you know, we're going to be evaluating. We're going to put up for purchase in X, you know, part of the, of, of the state. And if you fit the criteria, you want to be the first person that the broker is like, oh, yeah. I, I, I have somebody who would fit really, really well in this area. Um, I also at the same time, um, and this is uh, from the advice from, from Brian, which I think is really good, is to do a little bit of proactive yourself to go out and look for potentially some dentists that may be retiring within the next couple of years, uh, send them a letter uh, and be active proactive on yourself because if you can bypass a broker you are the only candidate for for the purchase you don't you're not fighting for for a, um, a bunch of other uh, um, uh, other people along the way when I when I made it, when the practice that I that I bought because it was in such a high demand area after the less than it the the seller in less than a week had eight eight or nine offers um, LOIs um, and, um, <clears throat> it went very, very, very quick. So instead of having to fight those seven, eight, 10 feet, however many other people, if you can directly talk to somebody, meet them, do this or that, and then you're the only person, I mean, if everything works out well, then it's, it's a much, 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 it, there's a lot less uncertainty. And so whether or not, are you going to be the person that the seller ultimately yeah. likes and decides? So for, first, thank you for the kind words. I feel similarly about you as a client. But then um, second, like you mentioned staying top of mind at brokers and reaching out frequently. What exactly did that look like for you? How often were you reaching out? Were they emails? Were they phone calls? What were you doing? So I think part of it also depends on the broker style as well. I worked with a handful of brokers um, and one of them in particular, I was, uh, we, we were texting quite a bit. Uh, at the very least, it would look something uh, like a, um, and you'll have to feel out the person as well. Um, but at, at the very least, either like bi-weekly or at least monthly, uh, monthly emails to say, hey, you know, anything new happening or this or that. If they start getting kind of annoyed from it, you may want to back off. But um, uh, you, you know, I, I think for me it was a um, more of a monthly type deal. And because I was been working with several brokers for oh geez, probably about a year to eighteen months, uh, I had been in very, very, very frequent comfort, uh, um, contact with them. And so uh, it got eventually to the point where uh, one in particular, he would just text me. He's like, "Hey, I've got some coming on, you know, on the line, this or that." Um, and then. Uh, it, uh, it, it, it was just a much, much more easier, at least more seamless communication. Once I knew that, oh, he's thinking of me, then, then I knew I was in a, in a pretty good spot. Right. And in the broker that you ultimately found a practice with is, is fairly forward thinking. I would classify as uh, John with Greensale in Portland. Greensale uh, practice of John Van Leuven is his name. Very, uh, very good broker if you're looking at that area. Um, what part of what makes him good is, in my opinion, and Dan, I'd be curious if you feel similarly. Um, <laughs> what I mean by forward thinking is that he is willing to engage with and talk with buyers. And so the only caution I would have, and I'm curious, Dan, if you experienced this with other brokers is, um, some brokers tend not to like the frequent communication from the buyers. And 
I, you know, there's an appropriate mindset there. I think they, they see the sellers as their clients and so therefore that the clients are going to get the majority of their time. And, uh, and some, frankly, bro- brokers just get really annoyed with buyers who reach out a lot. So was that just, I guess, social awareness on your part and picking up on um, verbal or nonverbal clues and things? And, and did you experience any of that? I mean, with, with John, not really. He, he was very, very, very good. Uh, mm-hmm. And his communication was, was really on point. I mean, he, he, he was very good about re- reaching out. I never felt um, like I was pestering him too much. Um, some of the other brokers I just sent in, you know, like a, uh, like a, like, like a monthly you know, emails to say, Hey, you know, just checking to see if you have anything. And there are a couple of them where I, I mean, I didn't even really hear anything from them for, you know, several months at a time. Right. Um, and I would just look at their, you know, their, their monthly listings and things like that. But um, I, I, you know, really when, when it comes down to it, I, I think that if you're unsure, just cl- clarify, you know, what's, what's the harm in asking the person, Hey, you know, um, I, 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 I'm really looking for, you know, t- to this area, Here, here's my criteria. Uh, will you be able to, you know, um, um, uh, would you be okay if I, you know, send you an email, the, this or that, just because mm-hmm. if something pops up quick, I want to be able to, you know, get, get right on it. You know, I, I want to be it, just as long as, as you are showing that, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm the real deal. I'm just not like browsing or anything like that, you know? Um, I, then I, I, I think that um, at least any broker that is willing to work with you, it, they'll, they'll be receptive to that um, rather than if you're just kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm kind of window shopping, if you will. They, they, might, they might pass you for somebody else. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, that's a solid, solid advice. Just ask the broker. How do they want to be communicated with? I yeah, that's that's really good. So, search time total was two years, give or take, with maybe the real serious um, kind of really focused search time being twelve to eighteen months. Is that about right? Yeah, sounds about right. Okay. So, looking back, what would you have done differently in your search process? <laughs> I the, the the biggest thing is I, I would have searched in the area that I was living in. That that to me was was very very difficult to to go across timelines, time zones, um, and not being able to see because one of the biggest things is that you need to be able to go and visit the area of the practice. You know, um, it, it has to fit you know along the certain checklist. Is it you know good visibility? Is this this and this? Um, and these are things that. Um, you know, and any um, uh, a, a, any accountant that, that knows that that's worth their salt for a transition like Brian, they'll be able to help you along w- with these things. But um, that's, so you're that's saying the thing. distance search was just too difficult. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was going off of Google Earth to try to look and and, and look at these areas. Luckily, I, w- I grew up in the area, so I was very familiar with a lot of these areas. Um, but if I wasn't, I, I would have. It would have been much, much, much tougher. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, outside of that, I, I don't know that there's much else that I really would have done differently when I was looking for practices um, because there's only a certain amount in a certain, you know, area that are going to be available. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think maybe the other thing I would have done is I would have tried to follow up. I didn't do very – I wasn't very good about follow-up on my own personal reaching out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – of the 20, 25 practices that I sent letters, uh, physical letters to, I think I got a response of maybe three or something like that. So I wasn't very good about actually following up with them. That's something I definitely would, would do differently. Gotcha. Which is, a, you know, three to 25 is a pretty good response rate and all things considered, but I hear you, right? If, if it's, 
if, <laughs> if your response, if you send out 2,500 letters, that's a great response rate. Three of 25 is also a great response rate. But it's just a low number because yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. the um, numerator. So, all right. Well, um, man, it's, so it's been about a year since you bought the practice you closed and you and I were chatting a little bit uh, before we hit the record button about the practice. Give folks a sense of how things have gone. You know, what do you love? Um, you know, how, what have, what's been difficult and what have you learned in your first year? Um, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I sum that up in uh, 60 seconds or less. <laughs> I think really to answer that question, I need a lot more time, but uh, one of the biggest things, and you're going to hear this um, no matter wh where you go, dental school does a really, really, really terrible job. I, I, I don't care where, where you are. If you if you went to school in the U.S., they do a very poor job of preparing you for the business side of things. Um, the amount of information that I've accumulated in the past 11 months has just been a lot, um, a lot from mistakes, a lot from advice that I've, that I, that I've heard from other dentists. Um, and there, I mean, the, the entire process itself is, is there's, there's, there's a lot to learn. And so it's, it's, I've heard the phrase, you know, drinking through a fire hose, you're basically trying to drink, try to take it as in as much information as you can. Um, so far for me, it's been, um, you know, kind of a little bit of an uphill battle. I did not buy a turnkey practice. Um, and so I, I bought one that's a little bit more of a, of a fixer upper. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's been, it, it's been not without its challenges, but it's been good because um, I ultimately, and I, and this is a, a thing that I think everybody who's looking to actually buy a practice, they, they do need to realize ultimately that the buck stops with you. You know, if you, yeah, you know, if you go in and, and buy into like a DSO model or something like that, then, you know, you have a lot of, lot of you have a lot of kind of safety nets and, and things like that. But ultimately, you know, it's, it, if you go and buy your own practice where you put your name on it and everything falls on you, you have to, the, the ultimate responsibility will fall upon you right. and you have to be prepared to, to really go in and, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm working, um, you know, uh, 70, 80 hour weeks. Um, I, I, I wake up early. I, I I wake up early and get some stuff done, go to the office. Fridays are, are an admin day. Uh, I work after I put my son at night. I, I do work as well. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work that needs to go in on the initial, I would say about 12 to 18 months. Um, but, and if you're not prepared to be able to do that, then it's, 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 it's tough. That's really good advice. You were telling me before we jumped on, if, you know, some of the things you feel like you've learned a lot in or, or wish you had been better prepared in particular were um, anything HR related, you know, staffing yeah. and managing people and being, being the boss. And the other one you were saying was advertising and just bringing patients into the practice. Is that accurate? Add anything to that list? Yeah. Um, th those are really definitely big ones because um, it's very different from becoming an employee to become an employer. Um, you have to be the boss. You have to ultimately, you know, say these are things that are going to be do. But how do you find that fine line between saying, hey, you know, it's my way, their highway or having something that's collaborative? I think as, as an owner, you have to find the nice middle ground to where you say, hey, this is what needs to be done. But we let's figure out how we can do that as a team. Um, I, I would it. also say that if you're um, uh, unable to actually communicate, uh, communication is huge. I mean, not just with in a work, but you know, in relationships and all that. And so being able, being able to become an effective communicator um, is also very, very, very key. Um, and yeah, in terms of the marketing, it's just, 
my biggest piece of advice would be, you know, be wary of um, a lot of these marketing companies that come in and say, hey, look at us, we can do X, Y, or Z, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, Brian, I could talk about the whole marketing thing for an, for an hour, honestly. Yeah, we need to get you on a, a we, we'll have a, a whole season maybe on uh, practice management and advertising. I'd, I'd love yeah. to get back to that. Sure, ab- absolutely. <laughs> um, and so I, I would say just lean on the wisdom of those who have done it well and also poorly before you and try to learn from that. And I, I've done, I've done both, you know, um, and it's, it's a struggle still learning from, from it, but it, it's, 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 it's on the up and up. I, I have good feelings about 2020. Oh, well, um, based on some of the facts and things that I know about you and that you were telling me, uh, you're going to be a really, uh, well, first of all, a solid gold mine for anybody that reaches out to you, but your patients and staff as well. So Dan, any uh, final words of wisdom for those who want to own a practice and haven't started their search process yet? Uh, I, I would say that um, the biggest one is to learn, learn as much about the business as you can. Um, I, I was, I was very, very, very green. I mean, I didn't know how to read a P and L sheet. Um, I wasn't even sure what, you know, what a balance sheet was or anything like that. I didn't even know how to calculate the EBITDA of, of a practice before all this started. I would say that, uh, you know, definitely learn as much about the business side and just make sure that you can find a practice that's actually profitable. Um, unless if you are, super gung-ho and you think you can kind of turn and you can turn it around um but the other thing that i would also advise is also lean on the the wisdom of people who have gone through it and would be able to help like like brian um i've started to find that there are things that are in, that you can go off and do all this yourself but with something with like a practice transition i mean you might as well save some time and money by having somebody who knows what to look for and help you figure out exactly here are some of the pitfalls, this is this, are you aware of this, you know, this practice that you, that you really want to buy? Hey, there's something going on over here. Are you aware of that? So that you know, before you get in. Yeah, that's super solid advice. Well, my guest today has been Dr. Dan Cho. Dan, thanks for being a part of Practice Purchased. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. What strikes me about Dan's example is how positive he is about his practice, despite it taking almost two full years to go from the decision to buy a practice to actually owning one. Before I highlight a few key takeaways, you can get detailed instructions on how to find, communicate with, and follow up with brokers by texting the word EXAMPLES to 33777. I took the following away from Dan's story. First, He acknowledges that distance searches are really tough. They lengthen the process, and there's no really good way around this problem. Second, Dan wishes he would have sent more targeted mailers and followed up with folks. Who knows? Maybe he would have found his practice sooner. Third, Dan preaches the importance of learning the business side of dentistry to both be educated during the search process and to run the practice once you own it. Dan is a great example of patience through a long search process and also not compromising on what he wanted long-term to buy a practice that may not have been the best fit. Dan worked his butt off to build relationships with the brokers that ultimately led him to the practice he bought, which sounds super easy, but it's not. And because it's not easy, most of your peers won't do it, leaving all the good practices for you. Thanks for listening. Thank you.